This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Are you ready to supercharge your auto repair business? This is Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching. The Weekly Blitz is where industry expertise and business innovation collide, getting your engines revved up for the week ahead. What's under the hood, you ask? Every episode is loaded with game-changing insights, up-to-the-minute industry updates, and practical tips to shift your business into high gear. We're talking about stuff you didn't even know you didn't know, people. Big shout out to our awesome sponsor, Shop Marketing Pros. Are you looking to shift your shop's marketing from zero to hero? Trust us, you don't want to gamble your livelihood on amateur marketing moves. Go pro with Shop Marketing Pros, your ticket to top-tier results. Find out how they can fuel your success at shopmarketingpros.com forward slash Chris. So, hey, everybody, this is going to be episode 144, the end of the year update with all the coaches. This is so crazy that we're all together. This is also going to come out the week between Christmas and New Year's. I want to welcome Coach Mike onto the show, Coach Brent onto the show, and uh, our newest addition to the team, Coach Al, onto the show. How's everybody doing today? Good. Perfect. Great. Awesome. So I'm going to start off with, I think it's really fortunate and lucky that all of our coaches still own and operate and work in, work around, work with their own shop. So I wanted to ask the, I want to go around the room and start with Coach Mike and ask, what's the one thing that had the biggest impact on your shop that you own this year, Mike? I think a lockdown team. This year, I established my staff that I currently have with technicians and it's just the, the best it's ever been. Our flow, how the guys work together has been great. They work as a team. I got one guy's electrical specialist, another guy who's just incredible at the speed. He can do front ends and suspensions and the, the repair work. And they all just kind of bounce and lean off of each other. And just developing that team atmosphere and then having the right guys that fit that and just watching them work, man, watching them flow. It, it's really been one of the hugest things for us. So as far as your shop goes, I think if I'm correct, you operate yours just a little bit differently than most other people. Like you pretty much consider all of your technicians ATEX, correct? Oh, uh, that's all I have except for two generals. But yeah, so I have five okay. master techs and two general techs. Which is a little bit different than the way most shops do it, but it works for you. And I always tell everybody, hey, if it works for you, don't mess it up, right? Like keep keep it rolling. So for you, Coach Brent, what's one thing, I know what's in my mind for your shop, but what's the one thing that had the biggest impact on your shop? Well, actually, I don't know if you'll guess this one, but it was actually hiring one more additional staff member. Actually, it's my son. He came on board and we call him the utility guy. He does anything from doing portering to parts running, taking care of the loaners, washes them, refuels them. He does oil services. He does tires. But he's the guy that relieved me from uh, a lot of my duties throughout the year that I, that I just had been doing for 16 years. I decided I needed a, a break from that and I needed to work on the business, not in the business as much. He allowed me to do that by coming on. He's part-time person, but it's really made a huge impact and just relieved a lot of my stress. So, Well, and so I thought it was going to be that you got rid of the post office work. Well, you know, that was really good too. That, that was, I mean, that's a hard second right there. So, 
And I'll say a lot of shops out there when they first get started, they take on the post office work because it's easy. You know what's coming, everything like that. But sometimes it can hold you back for sure. Yeah. And we did that for like eight or nine years and it was just time to cut ways. So, oh, okay. So I also think I know what Coach Al's going to say in his shop, but I could be completely wrong. So, okay. so, Al, what was the move that had the biggest impact on your shop? Well, and you may guess this one, but uh, much like the other guys, it's all around staffing. We've been in a shop with a general manager that was going through a lot of employees. As a result of that, we weren't getting the cohesiveness that we needed to really pump out work. And so a lot like Coach Mike, I'm a shop with uh, master technicians. I have four master techs and two general techs. When you're going through master technicians in a shop, it's hard to get things flowing. And so we've been blessed with the four master techs and even one of the general techs we've had now for a handful of years. And the other one we hired this year, but they've wanted a great bond. We've done a lot in the front end to make sure that they're getting rewarded at a level that's higher than the other shops. So the other shops now are looking other directions to try to recruit. And so as a result of that, we've been blessed with a, a group of employees that all work together, like to work together, have fun when they're away from work together, and as a result, have had no turnover from any of the critical positions, including the front end. Well, you guys are in Colorado, so you guys kind of close down, right, for a couple of days every year and go on like a big company camping trip, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, we do that, and we do big Christmas parties, and we do... Um, award trips where we'll set contests for the total number of hours that they can uh, run in the shop. And if they, as a group, hit the total number of hours, then we will do something that is team-based. This time last year, we rented a house up in Keystone, one of the mountain ski areas. It was really more of a mansion with six master bedrooms, but it was 10,000 square feet overlooking the ski areas. We provided all the food, drinks, and spent you know two days up there just enjoying each other's company and scheduling things together and, you know, without making it a qualified or a dedicated team building situation, just one of those situations where everybody spent the weekend together having a phenomenal time and, and growing as a group. And no fist fights or anything like that? None of that. So it all worked out good. I know. So, you know, you have the right team when you go and there's no fist fights if there's alcohol involved or anything else like that. So what, so. what I find interesting about the three of those inputs is that we all employ ATEX. I mean, all of us do, because that the, my three are all ATEX. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the other levels of technicians. They need to grow, but it sure does make your life easier when they're, you know, a little bit more qualified. I think the other thing too is all three of you are general repair shops. Like you work on anything that comes through the door too. Let's face it, some Eurotechs are prima donnas, right? Like, I'm, I'm only working on BMWs. I'm only working on Volvos. Like, well, sorry, you can't work here. I think that's something else for your guys' shops. I mean, at the levels you guys are at, you're all in the top 5% of shops in America. And being coached and being led by you guys is would be awesome. One of the things that was brought up in the run-up to the show was some topics to talk about, things that issues that we had this last year. Coach Mike, if you want to start, um, you talked about like parts availability, cost increases like that. Do you want to go ahead and, and speak to that a little bit more? I think everyone in this industry has dealt with the same thing. I mean, good Lord, if you bought a part for a Ford or a Dodge in the last two years, you know what it's like. It's damn near impossible to find. And one of the things that I've had to do is just develop relationships with people way outside of my area. I mean, I'm buying Dodge parts from 
Atlanta, Georgia and getting shipped from an Atlanta, Georgia dealership. I've had to buy Ford Park from Key West. There's 15 hours, 14 hours away from me. So I've had to develop these relationships with different big vendors or big dealerships all across the country. Because every time you call a Ford or a Dodge in my local area, the first thing, their favorite thing to say is back order, back order, which may be true, but that doesn't mean there's not a, a pile of them somewhere in a different hub or a different dealership. So I think just being creative and willing to go the extra mile to find those parts and get them in for your clients and get these cars out the door. Right. Well, if you don't have the parts, you can't put them on and can't fix it. And if you can't do that, you can't collect anything. Right. So, and then also we have, I don't know that the three of you get a whole lot from World Pack, but you know, you've got this coming up where World Pack is for sale now. And we don't know what that's going to do to the industry. Probably not much, but it's something out there that could disrupt the industry further. One of the other thing, uh, Al or Brent, did he, either one of you have anything you wanted to say on that? Well, I think the one thing, you know, like Coach Mike just said, is that if you're a shop that's struggling with those things, some of those parts sales guys are just lazy. They're not going to go the extra mile to try to find it at different hubs, different distribution centers and stuff like that. They're just going to tell you it's backordered and you're going to get it in four weeks. So you got to do your due diligence and get out there and hunt them down yourself. We spend a ton of time doing that. So don't ever feel guilty about raising your labor rate because you're spending hours trying to find parts. You got to get paid for that some way. So I don't see any problem with doing that. Well, and charging freight, whatever else. For right. order. If you got to drive to go pick it up, then you charge for your hour to go drive or, or whatever that is. You know, I think there's a lot of that stuff. One of the other things is just the increasing cost of everything, like parts, the effect that that's having on our industry. Does anybody have anything you want to add about that? It's one of those things that you used to be able to tell a customer you could honor a quote for a year. And today, it's two weeks later, you might go to buy that exact same part and find out it's gone up 30 or 40%, it, or it's gone. And then you're telling the customer, yeah, I know I told you I could replace your rack for rack and pinion for $1,000, but now I can't even get it. And so, yeah, between the two, it's totally gotten out of hand. Personally, I think a quote's good for seven days and that's it at this point. Yeah. You know, everybody, if you're holding estimates past 30 days, you need to switch that out, delete them and move on. And also what I was told, I had this crazy conversation, I had a service advisor from one of the local dealerships come up to my shop and apply for a job. They looked at me and said, you know, we market against you guys specifically. I was like, what? They're like, yeah. You're our biggest competition. I was like, little old Evans Automotives and independent repair. And they're like, yeah, they did a market research and found that more Hyundai's were fixed at this location than any other location in Pensacola besides them. So they specifically were marketing against me and possibly holding parts for that reason as well. That's interesting. So do you know what they were doing? They Were they like geofencing you? Or? I think so. I think they were trying to geofence me and then just... They were pushing a big narrative and I guess they were spending a lot of ad money on local stations and stuff like that directly affecting this area because of, I guess, the impact we've had on working on Hyundai in our area. I didn't think we worked on, I mean, we worked on a lot of them, but I didn't think we worked on that many, but apparently we worked on enough. Right. So did you tell him, well, we enjoy kicking your ass and (laughs) no big deal, you know, no big deal. Like, like we keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We. We wake up not thinking about you at all every day and just keep thumping your head for you. Al, have you run a, like you have a dealership experience background. Did you guys 
market specifically against any shops or anything in your areas? We did. And, and the manufacturers would actually go out and run surveys and do the same thing that Coach Mike is talking about with Hyundai. Mazda did it for years where they would actually market your competition, your independent, and some they would never do another dealership because they were obviously wanting to make sure you were going to a dealership. And then they would uh, allow us to advertise the pricing if it was in our favor. So they might market 10 items and then put four up on a board in their showroom to say, hey, listen, this is four things we're competitive on and uh, show the date and the time that they surveyed pricing for an, from the independent shops around us. So it, it's this is the economy where the customers are going to start flowing to the independent shops to begin with and have been for the last year or so. As a result of that, the manufacturers are going to spend a lot of money and effort to try to make a dent in that business. That's interesting. And honestly, I never really don't typically lose sleep over dealerships or anything. I think there's a big play right now if you're a Euro shop and you have a mini in your area, because I think mini is going to bust here pretty soon. And it's now's a good time to go out and get their technicians, get their service advisors and really go after them. But um, outside of that, I really don't give much thought to the to dealerships at all. One of the other things that we had in there, and you all talked about, I don't think technician retention is a big thing for any of you. But one of the things on our list was, is how to keep techs in the industry. And I think that one of the big issues in the industry is that technicians go to a dealership and they just give up and leave, or they've worked for a really, really terrible shop owner, independent shop owner, and they leave. That's what my survey's showing and everything else like that. Any thoughts from you on how to be a top shop, how to keep your technicians in the industry and in the shops? I think it's, I think it's technician engagement. We do a variety of team building meetings and stuff at our shop. Technicians tend to not be those kinds of outgoing kind of people. They're kind of seem to be more kind of a reclusive bunch and they like to stick to their group, their niche and stay together. But, you know, when we bring them into the fold of acting with the service advisors and myself and just doing these team building activities over lunch or at dinner or something like that, Everything just kind of frees up and everybody gets to be part of the team. Then everybody's working together. And once they have that, and if you're paying them well and giving them good benefits and all that stuff, they want to come to a place that's inviting to work. That's what we try to build anyway. I know training wise. So I know Mike goes to AST every year. I know Al usually goes to STX. Are any indoor, all three of you doing STX next year? Here we're having of us go this next round. So we'll virtually shut down the shop for the five days that that uh, training goes on. We are not going to that, but we will be participating in vision. In vision. Okay. Training in vision. Yeah. And my see you there, Brent. That's actually, I might not do ASTE this year. I may go to uh, vision as well. I've heard really, really good things about it. So yeah. that's, that's what I'm yeah. looking at. Something else we're going to mention that Brent started is every quarter I take all my employees one at a time with my, with my general manager out for a lunch. And just talk to them about how life's going. And through that, we found out frustrations that some of them had and literally changed our policy as a result of it. It's, it's little things that we can all do. Some of them are a little scary, like a couple of months ago now, and we're going to do it every quarter, is I literally sat down with them and gave them a full financial statement and went through them line by line and spent two hours with them explaining to them what was, was going in there, what was the cost to run the business. So at the end of the day, the fact that I have to pay $33,000 a year just for property tax and that's the cost of doing business is never going to change. 
that they get to see that and they get to experience some of the things that we go through in an effort to raise their pay and to keep a business going. We also try to sit down and find out if there's things that they need that we can help them with. It may be something small that we can use a loaner for you know, a couple of weeks or something while they get their car fixed or put off something that they were wanting to do and try to mold what we do as a company around what they need to do. We also went through and did a hierarchy because they felt like the front end of the business was getting just way overpaid without showing everybody their salaries. We just did a hierarchy that showed where everybody in the company, including myself, compared when it came to W-2s. And I think they were shocked at that. And as a result of that, some of the little things that came up during our lunch meetings, we dressed head on with the whole group. So that that way there wasn't, you know, well, how does he know this? And I don't. Everybody in the company got to hear the, the same information. And they were shocked because they realized they didn't make, they didn't get paid as well as they did compared to everybody else. They were anticipating that the, both my front end guys went out and bought new campers this year. And so as a result of that, they went, oh my gosh, these guys are making all the money in the world. We're driving old campers or sleeping in a tent. And so it was a little thing when it came up during lunch and I thought, you know what, there is more here to this than what they're telling me. They're just like, well, you know what, we just can't afford a new camper like the two guys up front can they were envisioning that these guys are making all the money in the world. And so once I did a hierarchy and showed that the, the, I think it was the top three or four out of the group were actually the technicians, they took a deep breath and went, wow, this is good to know. And then all of a sudden the camper never came up again. So it's those little things that I think get to be, turn a mountain, a molehill into a mountain. And it's just a way to address it. So at the end of the day, they all can feel valued like they should be. And I think part of the problem is, is it's not how much you make, it's how and where and what you spend it on, right? Like, so my my guess is, is probably the guys up at the front probably do a better job of their finances or whatever than technicians do because technicians never spend money on stuff they don't need, right? <laughs> right. So, I touch on one of the last thing about the technician thing too. And I've also found that a lot of techs don't like staying in the industry or they don't want to continue to be technicians at maybe some shop. And it's because there's no path forward, Right. You need to build a foundation in your shop and your business that like promotes growth with your technicians, right? So for instance, I get a general tech in, I'm going to explain to them, look like, hey, we're, this is how we're going to build you up. We're going to build you up by training. You're going to build up by job, job experience. And then we're going to build you up based on like productivity levels. And then we're going to address those as you reach certain milestones and just give them a path. Like, show them how you want them to grow. Show them the things that you want them to learn, right? Provide them an opportunity to learn those things. And again, you can pay a senior technician a little extra to provide some of the training that that guy may need in some area, right? But it's ultimately helping you. If a guy couldn't do an alignment and then now you have a senior guy teaching him how to do an alignment, so now you have a, a lower cost guy doing an alignment for you. It's on to the next thing, alternators, timing belts, or whatever the case may be. And then until he becomes the tech that he wants, and then he's financially in a place that, you know, he's happy as well. You know, you got to give these guys a path. You can't just be like, hey, you know, we hired you on, you know, it's great. Got you for this price and it's over from here. You know, this is all you're ever going to get. We'll give you a little 50 cents here every year or something like that. These guys want to see a path forward and have an opportunity. Maybe if they want to be a service advisor and lead from technician or technician or service advisor to technician, you never know. But yeah, at least got to help them. And one thing that Al was talking about, about showing the financials and then all the stuff it really takes. One of my master techs that's been with me for well over 10 years, and he's just genius electrical. He's, he's the goofiest guy in the world. But he was asking me, and you know, one day about, you know, what it costs to do like the insurance and this kind of thing. And I started really bringing it down. I said, you know, he's like, I would like to own my own shop one day. 
I sat down with him and I was like, well, this takes this, 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 and this, and, you know, can be profitable here, but, you know, you got to fill this thing up. And he looked at me and goes, hell no, man. I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> He's like, I'll work for you. You're, uh, you're cool. <laughs> I started dying laughing. All right. That was better than I thought it was. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing is guys get frustrated and they quit and leave and they go to start their own shop. And they're like, oh man, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And so now they're like insurance and everything else. I had an interesting Zoom meeting with another provider in the industry. They're not a coach, but they work with auto repair shop owners. And he had a potential client reach out to him. They started talking about technicians. This was in Virginia. The guy in Virginia is like, oh, well, I don't want to pay my technicians too well because then then they'll start spending more money and time with their family and they'll want more time off and I can't keep them there. And I about fell out of my chair. He's like, yeah, we chose not to work with that shop owner. But unfortunately, we have this mindset in the industry still, like where we're trying to keep our people down and it just drives me nuts. I want to have a great shop like any of your guys' shops. And I want to have a path forward for technicians to where you can make a hundred grand plus a year. Somebody coming in, starting out can be like, hey, you know, I want to be like Mike in three years where I'm making a hundred grand working Monday through Friday as a technician and, and going and doing things. And it all goes back to the path forward, right? Like you have to have a path forward for where these people are at and where they're going. And Unfortunately, there's a lot of shop owners out there that are still keeping their people down. And I will tell you, if you're a technician out there listening, if you're a service advisor out there listening, don't give up on the industry just because somebody's keeping you down. Like there are great shops out there. We have a network of shop owners that I could probably hook you up in any state, most places. So if you're out there and you're discouraged, you give me a call or something. We'll see what we can do. So one of the things that Al wanted to talk about was the continued high interest rates and how that might affect our markets moving forward into next year. The interest rates are like when the wind blows. Early last week, Wall Street got all excited because they're like, oh, the Fed's going to drop the rate. Then the Fed came out and said, well, that's not exactly what we said. So hold my beer, right? So you have anything you want to say about that, Al? Well, I think it's one of the many dynamics that's driving our industry. And in a good way, thank heavens, because it costs more and more all the time to replace the car with everything that they're putting in the cars now and with the mandates for electric cars and so on and so forth coming out, and even the what's going on with the unions and the wages soaring in the manufacturing level, it's getting more and more expensive to buy a replacement car. So then if you add on that the interest rates that are making these payments soar to levels that we've never seen before on cars, it's becoming more and more affordable to keep a car on the road. And on that same notice, another thing that I had mentioned is that I remember seven or eight years ago, they were talking that the average car on the road was going over 10 years. and Everybody's going, oh my gosh, you'll never make 11. Well, here we're at 12 and a half. And we're trying to figure out how high is it going to go for the average age of a vehicle on the road. We all know that these customers are only going to go in to see the dealers for several years. And after that, they become our customers or potentially our customers if we treat them right. And so these are all things that are great news for the shop owners out there that are doing a good job. For those that are out there that may listen to this one that didn't listen to last week, last week was kind of Al's introduction. And in that, we talked a little bit about planned obsolescence and then some of the, some of his thoughts moving forward. But I think what's going to happen is we're going to have this group of old vehicles, older vehicles. And then we have this newer group that the manufacturers have this planned obsolescence for. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward with that, but I think at this point, it's almost just as hard to get parts for newer vehicles than it is, you know, in that first four or five years than it is 10, 11, 12 years. And I don't remember if it was one of you guys or maybe one of the clients, I think in in Virginia, 
I was talking about getting a replacement transmission for some sort of vehicle that was like three years old. And they're like, yeah, we're just not making those. It's like, okay, what do you do? You know, you go out and buy a new vehicle, your payment's $900 or $1,000 or whatever. The whole thing's just kind of crazy at this point. We did an estimate today for a young lady that she had a 2019 Ford Fiesta. You know, the car's not worth eight grand. It wasn't worth 20 grand when she bought it to replace the transmission. Ford is the only one who makes it in a reman. It's going to be like $8,000 for her to replace it. And so at that point in time, that vehicle is just going to get scrapped. She's not going to do it. And so what did you talk about with her about like what her options were? Basically, her options from us was the Ford OE transmission. We could not locate one used or anything like that. I mean, we would have tried to do that, but we just couldn't find anything. So at that point in time, she was just like, I don't know what to do, but I can't do that. So and we've gotten a lot of those things lately that the only part that's available is an OE part because the remanufacturers are not making it. So then you have to go to an OE part and it's just, it's a little bit too expensive for some of the clients to digest and they don't want to take another eight or $9,000 loan out on a vehicle that's only worth 8,000 bucks. One of the other questions that was in there is like, What's going to happen to the average age of the vehicle? I think it's going to continue going up. I think, you know, before long, by the end of next year, we might, our average age of the vehicle might be 14 years old at that point because there's no newer vehicles. I noticed if you watch some of the people like CarMax, some of those people, they're talking like, yeah, there's just going to be a shortage of used cars as well. And, and it's just going to keep going up. Unfortunately for some of our clients, the cost of repair on some of these newer vehicles, the failure rates on some of these things are just astronomical. All the Ford trucks and everything with all the timing chains and all that kind of stuff that's going around. You're talking about a repair for the customer that's five, $6,000. Well, that's actually going to bring our average repair orders up in the shops because they can't go out and buy that truck again. So they're going to repair those kind of vehicles. It should help our industry. I've seen it helping our shop. And we're doing a lot more repairs on 18, 19, 20s than we used to in, you know, comparatively in the past. We're working on newer vehicles now. I don't think the vehicles are staying at the dealership as long as what they used to. Obviously, because they're not doing as good a job marketing against us or whatever, I guess, maybe. <laughs> maybe, that's the, maybe that's the thing. Did you have something, Mike, you wanted to add? Yeah, to follow up on what they said, absolutely. I mean, my shop, I, I primarily try to, I love working on trucks, you know, trucks seem to be, I have as highest average repair order. My guys aren't saying nothing, but yeah, I mean, you look at putting a $6,000 transmission in a truck, $5,000 transmission in the truck, or look at replacement of that truck. Replacement of that truck right now is sixty dollars to $80,000 or a $6,000 transmission. And then you have interest rates that are at all time highs uh, when it comes to on automobiles. No way. I mean, you're paying $100,000 plus for a basic not a new truck, but a basic truck. I mean, something that you're going to beat up and work in every day. So what I've found, a lot of my fleet clients are now keeping their vehicles much, much longer than they've ever kept them before. And they're not blinking an eye when it comes to uh, putting transmissions and engines in these vehicles. Because again, you know, a Ford Transit used to be what, $24,000, $26,000? They're now selling those Ford Transits for almost $40,000. You know, I got a client that's got 35 of them. 
I say something to him about a $4,800 transmission. If you look at year end and what you're trying to keep your total cost down for your business, and it's no question, put a dang transmission in that car. Yeah, for sure. That 18, 19, 20 model vehicles, that industry has exploded for us more than it ever has before. Hey, listeners, it's time for a quick pit stop here on the Weekly Blitz to give a shout out to the original all-stars of auto shop marketing, shop marketing pros. While imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, why settle for a copy when you can partner with a pioneer? Shop Marketing Pros is the go-to team that truly knows the nuts and bolts of marketing your auto repair shop. They've set the standard and for good reason. They understand that it's not just about getting your name out there. It's about crafting a message that resonates, building a brand that lasts, and driving business through your doors. Their tailor-made strategies are designed to get your shop the attention it deserves. While others trying to follow in their footsteps, remember that there's nothing like the original. Shop Marketing Pros has been leading the way from the start, and they're equipped to take your business full speed ahead into the future. So when you think marketing, think Shop Marketing Pros, where being original isn't just an idea, it's the road to success. One of the other things is, Al, I think you, you brought along this topic, the continuation of seeing shops close. There's no buyer there. There's no succession plan. And it seems like the good shops just keep getting bigger and bigger. Any thoughts on that? And obviously, it's one of the concerns for the industry. And while for us that are running shops that are successful, that are growing every year, you know, it's hard to do anything besides celebrate. But on the other hand, we know that for the industry to stay healthy, we have to have a good group of shop owners that are, are making customers happy and at the same time, finding a way to do it and make a profit and, and have a lifestyle. And so I think it's one of the challenges we have as an industry is to get to help the shop owners that are not successful, that are, you know, I've talked to guys at these meetings and at different trips. They're like, this is the only time I get a vacation is when I go to training. You're thinking, you know, here they are working 52 weeks of the year to keep the doors open. And you wonder why when they get to, you know, their 60s or sometimes they just get another job offer, they just walk away from the business hoping that they'll get a big cash buyout. But, you know, when people look at the books and what they can make running that business, there is virtually no value. And so as a result of that, we see more and more shops, especially small shops, they're closing their doors. And it's a trend that I think for the health of the industry should be changed. But it's going to take shop owners all around the country doing things different. So in the long run, it makes sense for them to keep the doors open. And they have a lifestyle that, that affords making, it make sen- making sense to keep the doors open and going through those efforts. Yeah, for sure. Anybody else want to chime in there? Are you good? But the opportunity is there too, you know, a little bit. I had someone approach me from a different industry, funeral home industry, actually, about, they said, Mike, your business is very successful. You guys have a really good foundation. You're doing coaching with these other clients. And uh, the question was, why don't you have multiple facilities in your area? Now, I don't know about your guys' areas, but my area is quite large have one on one side of the town and have one shop help the other shop and move what you do, which you've done so great and provide that service across to the other side of town and, you know, expand from there. I think there is a little bit of an opportunity for us as well as shop owners to maybe grow uh, even more potentially. We're already teaching our clients and helping them and maybe we could expand to another business uh, or another shop across town. And, you know, I think what you guys are doing at your shop is so awesome. Why not do it somewhere else? As long as you don't do it on the other side of the bridge, right? Like we don't want to drive across the bridge every day or right. <laughs> to do that. And Mike shops in Pensacola. So I don't know if you've ever been stuck on one side or the other side of that bridge and wanted to get to the other, then sometimes that can be a pain. Oh, we ain't doing it on the other side of Pensacola. Gate. I, promise, <laughs> I know where I'm big in. <laughs> 
I'm not <laughs> Alabama. I don't like traffic. Right. I've, I've been stuck at Peg Lake Pete's, and that's a good place to be stuck at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Do any of you have a story? And I can ask this question and then start with mine real quick. Like a coaching client from 2023 that just something just clicked and something just really took off for them. If you have a success story, I'll tell mine real quick and then, and then I'll let you, let you pop in there. And this is one from last week. Um, this is a new client in Virginia and I want to do a follow up episode on this shop to talk a little bit more in depth in what we did, but he's been with us for less than two months. And he just had the best month he's ever had by like $60,000. November of last year, he did $130,000. This November, we did almost $240,000. Wow. Same car count. Didn't add any technicians. Didn't add any service advisors. All we did was implement the DVI process and basically doubled our average repair order from three thirty dollars to six something. That's like one of my super big recent ones. And it was a shocker because we were sitting there talking and he was just grinning like the Cheshire cat. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he's like, we're going to close out November, the best month we've ever had ever, ever, ever by a long shot. In the podcast, I'm going to talk about it. But really, his wife read a book, Think and Grow Rich, said, you need to read this book. And then she said, you need to go out and hire a business coach. And so that's what brought him to us, mainly his wife. But anyway. Uh, any success stories from any of you guys that you want to share real quick? I have a client that's in Kansas, very knowledgeable mechanic. He came to us early in the year, February, I believe was his start date. You know, he just listened to every recommendation that I said and he implemented it in his shop. I was super happy for him. You know, because last month we talked and we've gotten to know each other beyond the coaching thing a little bit and share some family information and stuff like that. I asked him, I said, so how does your wife feel now about the business? And he said, she is so happy because now she sees the money that we have, whereas before it just wasn't there. That was probably the best thing we could have done for him is to relieve that stress and anxiety that his wife was feeling. And because now he's doing excellent and he just keeps progressing every single week. I'm super excited for him. And I will tell you that shop is probably in the smallest market, the smallest, it's in the smallest town that we coach out of any, out of any of the shops. And so if you're out there thinking you can't do it in your town, you can't do it in your market. Well, I'm telling you, you can because this is like a small town in rural Kansas. And I will tell you also, crazy, they're actually probably getting ready to do it again here in the next couple of months, but they probably have the biggest turnout for a shop. Community event. Yeah, a community yeah. event. They'll have like 350 to 400 people at a community event in a small, small town. They host a breakfast for just anybody in the community and have them come out to the shop and visit the shop. And it's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, you need to make sure and let me know when that is coming up this next year. We'll have to, Kimberly and I'll have to drag across Kansas there and check it out. <laughs> Maybe they'll make me some pancakes and bacon. Mike, did you have anything you wanted to throw yeah. in there? One of my clients, the DVI's thing definitely turned a page for them. You know, they have a huge car count, right? So their car count's never been the issue. My issue is with them is maybe it's too much, if anything. Um, and they need to come down and just focus more on their clients. But I think one of my biggest successes as a coach is 
finding a way to foundationally set up these businesses. You know, businesses that have been around some of them forever and then some of them that are real new, but like giving them the building blocks of how to do this thing, you know what I mean? I think is one of the most valuable things. And I've watched it kind of grow and start to expand with one of my clients and another one. We're building it from the bottom up. And even seeing the first initial weeks with someone who's like brand new, just coming into it, like, okay, well, this is how I do it. And I have to be this person. And, you know, just setting up that top-down structure, manager, owner, service advisor, technician, who's doing what, who answers what questions. It just top to bottom, just giving a business a foundation. I, I find that very rewarding because I feel like so many people have no idea. They're just just running around and they're just putting out service work, right? But there's a lot more to it. I feel like a lot of times we shock some people with just the simple stuff that maybe they do know that they should be doing, but they're just not. Really, people like Chris seriously shut up about shop supplies and labor rates and parts margins and DVIs. But really, if your shop's not doing any of those, then you've got to start with the building blocks like Coach Mike said and then and then start with the basics and then just move up from there and just keep going and keep growing. So it's very interesting just to see. And then the people's growth's amazing. Coach Brent's been getting some really, really great testimonials lately. I live for the texts and stuff from the clients, like had the best week ever, best month ever. It's just amazing. And that's why I do what I do, right? So I want to start individually. We'll start with you, Al. Looking towards 2024, what do you think is going to be something big or something that you're trying to work on in your shop? Well, I think that we've got the foundation more solid than it's ever been. And so my goal now is to grow my employees and to really let them grow to whatever their level is. You know, like uh, Coach Mike said, it may be acquiring a second facility um, if the right opportunity comes along. And we've, especially Chris, you and I have talked about different options and there's a variety of different things that may come along that way. But I want to make sure that my employees are all growing to their maximum capability and that as a business owner that I am uh, allowing them to achieve that growth. I don't know that I have any firm set up exactly how that's going to look, but they've made it so that I can take time to do these type of things and to help other business owners and to be take more time for myself. And so as a result that I want to, I don't want to stifle them from being able to grow into their own level of success. Awesome. Thanks. Coach Brent. So for my shop and for my clients' shops, I want to focus a lot this, even into December, we're asking them to get it done into January is is actually set some goals, you know, because there's a lot of shops that just go and business owners that go without any goals. They're just thinking, I just need to do better. And that'll get you so far, it will, because I used to do that. But we actually had a chat about this today with my service advisors. We're going to have a goal meeting, you know, with everybody involved, every employee. And we're going to come up with some goals for the shop, be it, you know, some short term and then some end of year goals for 2024. And then we're going to figure out how to achieve those and how to implement them. I have a good, strong team of thinkers at my shop, and they're always trying to figure out a way to maximize their potential. So that's what we're going to focus on for 2024. Awesome. Coach Mike? Tires. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Sell them. (laughs) I've been in the tire industry for a while, but it's always been moderate. And Chris, me and you have talked quite a few times about it's been more of a convenience. But this year, my area has grown so much and there's no one in my area code really that's the main tire guy in this area. So 
I figured I got a little space. So I'll figure out a way as Brent's seen before. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll put up something. We'll make yeah. it happen. And that's really what it comes down to. I'm doing some reorganizing. I'm going to try to make some better uh, stations, some workflow efficiencies, clean them up for my guys, make it easier on them. I'm going head first into uh, being the main tire provider in my area and trying to dominate that market. Yeah, I know when we first, gosh, it's probably been six years since the first time I went through your shop. This happens with every shop, right? Like I talk about tires and they're like, I, Chris, there's no possible way we could sell more tires. And then I go do a visit and I'm out in the bays looking. I'm like, Mike, this one needs tires. And then I come back in. I'm like, oh, that one needs tires. That one needs tires. Like this one's date codes seven years old in Florida. Like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't put my family on seven-year-old tires in Florida for sure. So I think everybody has the opportunity to do more tires. And I think everybody, if you've listened to any of these episodes, you probably know that that's how I got started. And I actually or absolutely love tires as a part of the auto repair industry. The other thing that I would say from the autofix standpoint is we started this year with just me coaching. And now I've got the three of you guys here to help me out and help our wonderful clients out. Because I got to the point to where I was either going to have to just stack more people onto myself or turn people away. And there's so many people out there that are asking for help that, you know, in giving back to the industry, like how could you possibly turn people away? And so I also wanted to bring this up and then we'll kind of wrap this up. One of the things that I looked at as far as looking into next year and something that some way that we could serve our clients better and or help the industry out was we came up with the three tiers of pricing so that we really have like an entry, a mid and a and an upper level coaching program. So if you're out there and you're thinking that you can't afford coaching or it's out of your reach or whatever, first, you just need to message me and let's get together and talk about it. But really, there's no excuse not to do it. We have some sort of a program that can help you get started. And then however you want to think about it, if you want to grow with us, if we want to grow with you and grow your shop, we can. And we have the people to do that. And we have the package and the packaging to do that. That's a big leap for us. And then moving into next year, you know, we've, we've had some great years and we're just going to keep going. Any final thoughts, Al, on 23 or 24? I think that for those of us that are poised to grow. I think that it's going to be a, a very good year. I think that overall the industry may not grow much, but uh, I think it's going to be because of shops closing. So those of us that are treating customers right, because that's the first thing that's got to happen with any business. And then on top of that, treating our employees right are going to be in a position where we're going to see a very, very successful 24. And I'm excited about it. Great. Coach Brent? To all of you shop owners that are out there listening to this podcast, you know, I encourage you to somehow, if you're struggling, get some type of coaching, some kind of peer group. You can start with groups online, stuff like that. Just anything to help you get to that next step. We're here to help you. Chris has a ton of free material that he is willing to share because he loves the industry as we do. And we just want to make you guys better. Again, podcasts, free podcasts, the aftermarket radio network, all kinds of stuff like that yep. out there for you. Coach Mike? Yeah, just kind of follow up with Brent there. I mean, I don't know about Brent and Al's history as much. I, I'm pretty sure Brent was, you know, a client um, and he come up with coaching. Our business was started 23 years ago with my uncle who was a mechanic who didn't know a thing about business at all. And he, you know, was overwhelmed, wasn't successful, wasn't wasn't achieving what he wanted it to be. 
as a business. And what did he do is reach out for coaching. That coaching is now, again, we're 23 years in, growing every single year and doing things at an, in a phenomenal pace and providing for our whole, it's not just us too. You got to think about the local area that we affect, the sponsorships that your business can do and all the wonderful things that come along with being a, a small business in a, you know, in a town. You can do it. Reach out. You can make your, your auto shop successful. Get coaching. It really helps. And to just bring this home, I want to say thank you to the three of you guys. I love you. I couldn't think of three other guys that I would rather be in this with, honestly. I think the world of all of you. We'll leave it at that. So I hope 2023 was what you want it to be. I hope 2024 turns out the way you want it to be. If not, and if you can't push it over the edge and get it there, then I know some people that can help out. In the world of auto repair, success is not handed to you. You've got to seize it. It's all about strategic decisions, effective management, and a thirst for knowledge. Our show, The Weekly Blitz, is your trusted resource every step of the way. A big shout out to our listeners. Your dedication to growth fuels our passion. And let's not forget our fantastic sponsor, Shop Marketing Pros, who makes the show possible. They're all about top-tier marketing for shops just like yours. Until next time, this is Coach Chris, Coach Mike, Coach Brent, Coach Al. We're signing off. Keep your gears running smoothly. Keep learning. Keep growing. In this business, every day is a chance to get better. It's time to rise and grind, everybody. Here's to your ongoing success. Stay driven, everyone. You've been listening to The Weekly Blitz with Coach Chris Cotton on the AftermarketRadioNetwork.com. Follow Chris on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Chris is all for advancing the aftermarket.